Get the best odds on all the big games this March. Download the Circa Sports Iowa app today. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's football and random things. From the Carl Chevrolet Hotel Studios in Orlando. Today's podcast, as all of our podcasts during our coverage of the 2019 Camping World Bowl, brought to you by the Iowa Clinic. Or if you're looking as well, like I mentioned before, if you're looking to buy a new pre-owned vehicle, you can shop at Carl Chevrolet. The Carl Chevrolet Podcast Studios, it's more of a concept. Yeah. It's less of a an idea. It's more of a concept. It's a place you go in your mind. Yeah, it's, it's where is heaven? Heaven? Is heaven a place? Or is heaven... A con- is it a, is it a we're not even going to touch that we're not even touching where, that where you are we're not touching that on earth Stop. heaven a heaven on earth Stop. where are you we're not touching it's that it's a mindset not touching that not touching that that is a way to make people mad <laughs> that is a way to I was make thinking, people like, mad all, i promise you we like do not want to touch that uh, okay so i'll full disclosure this is the second time we tried to do this podcast because we went heavy on the random things but this i you bringing that up i can't not bring what i'm going to bring up and this is the only random thing i'm going to say did you know that there's a place in Orlando called the Holy Land Experience? Oh my goodness. And it is a Bible theme park. Some people would go. That's a thing that some people may enjoy. Jeff, I, I feel like we should go. <laughs> Just record a podcast inside the Holy Land Experience. Correct. There's a theme park for everything down here. Everything. There's a theme park for everything. I wasn't aware of the sprawl of how many theme parks there ex- that there are that exist. There's one that is, there's obviously Disney, there's Universal. Well, and even then, there's two theme parks inside of Universal. There's like six inside of Disney. And then outside of that, there's like the ESPN Sports World or something like that. Well, there's, that's part of Disney, yeah. And then there's... Uh, the Wide World of Sports. The, the, the Holy Land Experience. The Holy Land Experience. There's one when you're coming in on I-4, if you turn... I think it's if you go left, you're getting towards the, the Disney parks. If you go right, there's just another one that's just existing. There's, there's like Busch Gardens or like Six Flags or something here, too. There's a Margaritaville well, that's water not park. A, seriously? There's a Margaritaville water park. Oh, man. I feel like I need to go there. It, there's a Margaritaville inside the City Walk, and there's Universal. also a Margarita... Or Margaritaville, actual theme park. It is incredible. It is. It is. There's also another one like right over here. It's called like the Fun Day or something like that. It feels like a different planet. This really is like a different planet. It's crazy. And you know, I had these people on the Facebook asking me about on why the, on the Facebook, the Facebook. Yeah, uh, I've been spending a lot of time with Randy Peterson. <laughs> uh, but I had had people on Facebook asking why we weren't posting more pictures of Cyclone fans in Orlando. And I think the thing that maybe people that have never been here, I'd been here before and I didn't even realize this, but the thing that people that aren't here right now, like to not be going to Disney, because if you go to Disney, like you, 
don't even have to leave Disney. Mm-hmm. Or if you go to Universal, you really don't even have to leave Universal because you can ride your boat from the hotel like over to and, the. And there's hotels on. Yeah. In the actual grounds. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like you don't have to leave that area at all. It's crazy. You can't even see Universal from the road. That was the most remarkable thing I've ever seen. It's like all of a sudden you'd come over a hill and then there's it's just there. And you're like, wow, how do they hide this back here? But, and I'm, I'm sure there are statistics on how many people are here. But I think to, to finish your point, this t- there's it's so spread out. Yeah. it's a, it's Despite how many Cyclone fans are here or will be here, and, uh, and depending on when you're listening to this, the pep rally would have, is, is happening tonight, which is mm-hmm. Friday. We're recording this uh, around, what, like 10 o'clock Eastern time yeah. on Friday. And so the pep rally is tonight, and that's where you'll see, like, holy cow, there's a ton of Iowa State fans here. But otherwise, it's a needle in haystack because there's, what, 500,000 people that are going through any one of these 300 amusement parks yeah. and trying to find even a group of, like, 10 Iowa State fans. Like, I've seen them kind of sparingly, and there was a you and I were at dinner last night outside at the NBC Sports, the City Walk thing, and yeah. there was a, a Notre Dame player. You could see because he had the Camping World backpack with a, num- uh, a number tag. Yeah. Figured out he's a backup quarterback. Let's walk on. Well, like, not a backup quarterback, but he is a quarterback. He's a backup's backup. Backup's backup's backup. He was the backup on the scout team. <laughs> but anyway, so we saw, like, that, and that was really the only tie that we'd seen to the bowl game itself just because this town is so spread out. Yeah. Well, and there's so much going on that half the Uber drivers here don't even know the game is happening, legitimately. And it's also the busy season between Christmas and New Year's right. with any of these new parks, especially like Disney Universal. Like, I got you two tickets to Disney, kids, let's go. And then they go down to, you know, whatever. And how many thousands of families do that throughout the year or they plan their, like, their vacation because they already have time off to come down here? Like, needle in a haystack. So if you're wondering, like, why there are not more Iowa State pictures in the Cyclopedic feed... It's hard to find them. It's because I've seen like ten Iowa State fans while I've been here. Just, I haven't seen I haven't even seen a single Iowa State fan that I know while I've been here. Just wait, yeah, wait until tonight when yeah. everyone kind of like congregates around where the pep rally is, and I think that's when it's going to start feeling like okay, we're here. Well, and I think too, just with the holidays, you know, mm-hmm. like unless you were going to come down here and like you mentioned, go to Disney and make it a thing, where it's like we're going to Disney, we're going to Universal, all that like that kind of thing, and you spend the whole week here. Then you weren't probably coming until today. Yeah, you know, three of I think there was four of like families or people that I knew were going to come down. I think four of them, uh, I knew four of them that I've talked to. I probably know more. I just haven't had conversations with those. But three of them weren't getting here until today. So, Chris won't be here until today. Yeah. So I think there might be a lot of just this afternoon. It might start filling, becoming more, much more cardinal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I think it'll be good. But. Um, that but yeah, I wanted to explain that. And then this morning we got done with uh, Brian Kelly, Matt Campbell's press conference. Uh, the last media availability for the coaches prior to tomorrow's game at the Camping World Stadium. Not too much was really said. Uh, I mean, they both have a lot of respect for each other. They have a lot of respect for their programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, th- you know, Brian Kelly really likes Brock Purdy. He's a he big does. Brock he's, Purdy he's, fan. He's brought him up by name multiple times. Multiple times. Yeah, and then uh, Brian Kelly would have rather played against Co College than Iowa State. Which uh, that's a dig on Co College. It's either I don't know if that's I mean it, I think he meant it as a compliment to Iowa State, but that's a straight up insult. I do Co-College. think anybody has to be impressed with the poll by Coach Kelly though of 
of just dropping Co College out of nowhere. Well, what did doesn't he have some tie to Iowa State somewhere? Uh, like, yeah, he interviewed at Iowa State it, when uh, Gene Chizik got the job. I did know that, but I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know if there was any other tie like they had had. But whether he was like a GA in like 1986 or I'm something like that. that. I bet if that wouldn't surprise me if maybe he had a, somehow been here. Because there's like Pete Carroll was a GA with I think John was it Johnny Majors or I think John I, I think I think no like he, yeah Pete uh, Carroll I think was Johnny Majors. Um, and there's plenty of Mac Brown was a, a GA up here. He coached at Assumption College, and then Grand Valley State, which is where. I mean, I think he won some national championships or something like that. Yeah, two Division One, Division Two national championships, and then he went to Central Michigan, and then uh, to Cincinnati, and then to then Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. <laughs> so, no connections to Co College. Just a pull to Co College, just, right? Just he apparently is a aficionado of the Iowa Conference. Um, excuse me, American Rivers Conference now. Oh, of course. Yeah, don't, Amer- don't don't get it twisted. Yeah, the American Rivers Conference now. Can't forget about our friends over in Lincoln at Nebraska West End, the Division Three men's basketball national champions defending. But Iowa State Notre Dame tomorrow. I think as this game has or as this week has gone on, I feel I this always almost always happens, and I hate myself for it. But I almost always feel more and more confident. But I felt confident this entire time. Like, since this game was announced, I thought that Iowa State would have an opportunity to make this a close game. But even then, I still kind of thought that they would probably lose. I'm starting to get to where now I think Iowa State might win the football game. Well, so here's two things. That Either I, talk me out of it or further talk me into it. I'll probably further talk you into it. But there's there's two things that I, I think that come to mind that I think are sort of prescient with bowl stuff. One is... Effusive language exists all the time, especially in a bowl. Like, you have three weeks. You're not going to give your opponent bowl, like, bulletin board material. Like, even if... Like, like when you turn the helmet upside down at the press conference. Yeah, you're not going to do that. Well, unless you're Memphis. Because they did you, do that. But I realize... You shouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. You're very, yeah. It's very unlikely, and that's why that was so startling. We're like, what, what are you doing? What's the point of this? Well, and it was weird because it's not like they are in any way natural rivals. It's no. It's just like, we're just doing this to be And you had idiots. a home game, and we just beat you at a home game. Like, yeah. Cool. Good job, guys. Yeah, that was goofy. But there's no real point for, like, doing anything that's going to be bolt more material, especially for a guy like Brian Kelly. I, it seems like Brian Kelly could cut loose a mean ass-chewing if he needed to, oh, but yeah. for the most part, it seems like he's pretty buttoned up in public. Like he's not gonna be, um, you know, Paul Rhodes is pretty is a pretty emphatic emphatic character where he can you know get kind of change his volume and kind of you know make jokes or something like that. And he's more a, a more loose right. coach. Um, and Campbell and Kelly are kind of cut from the same cloth where you're gonna get pretty run of the mill answers. So one of the things that is like to and and you've covered a lot of press conferences. I have spoken at a lot of press conferences. Oh, yeah, not as a coach. Me, we remember. Not as a coach, but when one of the things that's like a difference between BS language of like this team is a good team and we are excited to play this good team. Like <laughs> that kind of BS language that exists yeah. versus actually genuinely being impressed with them is when you bring stuff up that's unprompted and you bring stuff up that's specific. So, like, you, he to come back to that Brock Purdy thing, a lot of times, I, th- I think in on the Facebook... The Facebook, you, yeah. You've heard that, uh, like, some, some fans are like, oh, he's just... He doesn't know anything. He doesn't... It's a lip service. It's lip service. He's just doing whatever. They said the same thing even about Coach Haycock, and I can promise you Coach Haycock does not give lip service to anybody. No. he, he If he's not... If, Coach Haycock he's, he's tells not gonna how say it. see it. How he's just he not going to say yeah, it. If yeah. he doesn't have something nice to say or something specific, he's just not going to say it. Yeah. Um, but with Coach Kelly bringing up Brock Purdy multiple times 
and in unrelated answers. It's some, so the, the, one of the questions that was asked today, I forget who asked it, was um, what jumps out on the page or what jumps out on the, on the screen when someone or when you watch film? And the first thing he said was uh, the offense, there's not one thing that you can f- pin down. And then the second thing he said was, and they got a really good quarterback in mm-hmm. Brock Purdy and said it by name. And so and talked about him as a competitor. As That's a competitor, what, even yeah. what he did the other day was he really kept talking about him as a competitor. And so that and so bringing it up sort of unsolicited into that point. And I think then the other thing, the, the one that you kind of this team plays hard. That one a lot of times is the, you know, but he, but he's got a nice personality. Like that's the kind of he, this team plays hard. Um, we know that Iowa state does because obviously you look at the fourth quarters and the second yeah. halves of nearly every game they played. Um, and so we know that that's true. So it doesn't come. I, I don't think, I, I don't think that one is lip service, but that one is the one the team plays hard. That that's is the, that when, is the ultimate, right. That is the ultimate. He's got a nice personality statement. Well, that's when um, when they say that first. That's the first thing they talk about. Yeah, it's like these guys play really hard. You know that, and it, they don't talk about. He wouldn't have talked about the tight ends. He wouldn't have talked about Brock Purdy. He wouldn't have talked. He mentioned Brees Hall. Yeah, how, how good Brees Hall has been in the second half of the season. And he mentioned the size of the tight ends. Yeah, to cause it, it and this creates a disadvantage. Like even the defensive scheme where he's like. Uh, sometimes you can't even tell really what it is, and he looked at Coach Campbell and like, and he goes, maybe, maybe maybe that's the point. And Coach Campbell didn't laugh at his joke, and uh, <laughs> and um, he smiled politely. He, he smiled politely, yeah. But uh, that's what I'm saying. Like he went through this whole thing, and then was like, and they play really hard. But that's where I feel like he is meaning that it's like they really do play really hard, not like he's just saying like, oh. They play hard because like I have about, to say that they talk do about something. Can, w- w- yeah. The thing about like when you when Coach Campbell talks about Kansas, like you know, in, in obviously in years past, this one they you know less miles of teams were better. But like when when Iowa State's going to go down and beat Kansas by like fifty two to ten or something mm-hmm. like that, what do you say? Well, th- this team plays really hard. I'm like okay, well, thanks. And Coach Campbell actually on. can dip into hyperbole sometimes. He said that Louisiana Monroe was the most athletic team they'd played to date. When they, they in the press conference, Iowa. yeah, when they had just got done playing Iowa, which I think was both a shot and, <laughs> uh, like I said, he can sometimes he dips his toe into a little bit of hyperbole, but it's okay. But is yeah, he's pretty coach speaky. Yeah, Coach Campbell's very coach speaky. Yeah. Um. But the other thing, so one is I th- I think there was gen- there is genuine respect from the Irish towards Iowa State. I think that's genuine respect. Like they, they are much better than their seven and five record. Um, and then the other part of bowl games, and I think I've talked about this in the past, is uh, happiness or satisfaction is when expectations and results are in the proper ratio. And so when you're coming into a bowl season and I, taking Iowa State and Notre Dame as the very specific examples, Notre Dame is ten and two, and their only two losses are close losses to top fifteen programs. Uh, they got destroyed by Michigan. Well, two well two losses to top fifteen programs, not yeah. close losses. There's one the one at USC at Georgia was at Georgia. Excuse me, Georgia. Yeah, so they beat USC thirty to twenty seven, and there was a close loss at Georgia. Um, but their losses, two losses to top fifteen teams, and a relatively tough schedule. And what they're expecting is they're expecting like that New Year six you know, a, an invitation to the, the, the Cotton Bowl or something like that. And then they get the Camping World Bowl in Orlando against a 7-5 and five Iowa State. And that 
uh, dissonance between what their expectation is and what their reality is, is going to be unhappy. Take that in a different context. If you see this, you know, uh, a jewelry box under the Christmas tree and it's got a bow on it and you're like, all right, I got something nice. And then you open it and it's like one single plastic charm for your charm bracelet. And you're like, well, this is stupid. It's not that the gift in and of itself is not this is not a nice thing. It might be a nice thing, but when you're expecting something more and you get something less, that's a little bit on more. It's a little bit less satisfying. Versus the other way, you see this storming, this nearly unwrapped box, and all of a sudden you pull it open. And it's like this brand new. It's like a brand new iPhone. And you're like, oh wow, this is better than I expected. And so with bowls. Notre Dame was expecting to have a higher level, more rep. And it's not this Camping World Bowl is not reputable, but you're thinking Rose Bowl, Cotton Bowl, Sugar Bowl, something like that. Right. That's New Year Six, and you got Camping World. Iowa State was expecting Memphis and got Camping World against Notre Dame leading into the playoff. And so, from Iowa State's perspective, they're thrilled. This exceeded the expectations of what they would have, what they thought they were going to be. So, when you're going to bowl prep, you have four weeks to sit on this. To sit on if you're happy that you're here, if you're disappointed that you're here, and when if you you know as a product or like in in work, if you are motivated to do the work at your job, you know, you're working on a, a project or a task that you actually enjoy, you're you're gonna sit on, you're gonna work harder, your results are gonna be better. Even when when tough times get there, you kind of like you wanna problem solve. When you're working on something that you when you get the TPS reports that you gotta do and Lumberg drops them on your desk, uh, you don't care. And you're just going to kind of go through the motions. You're still doing something, well, most of the time. And then when there's problems that arise, you're like, ah, this is kind of dumb. And you kind of back off a little bit. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean it's to a huge degree. But I would venture to say with a pretty good amount of confidence, Iowa State's prep for these last four weeks is probably a lot better than Notre Dame's. Because there is, it's again, you're working on a task that you love versus working on a task you feel like you're better than. So I think the two things that that are independent or that are kind of unique to bowl season are you're going to have a lot of conversation by coaches talking about the other one, kind of cut through the BS of what they're saying. And the other one is motivation's a huge deal. So although Notre Dame has things that are really detrimental to Iowa State, and we can get into that, uh, I do think there are, the, that the fact that Iowa State wants to be here changes it a little, or changes it actually quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. And you bring up that thing about Iowa State and their their preparation, and I I think you can just see that from what I've when I've been around the team because you got to go watch practices a little bit, right? Yeah, at least some I mean, for or like ten games. minutes. Yeah, yeah. but uh, in the past, it seemed like these guys, and don't get me wrong, I think they're having fun. You know, like mm-hmm. I think that the getting to go to Best Buy, like going doing all that stuff, I think they are having fun. But in the past, like last year specifically, it felt like there was a lot of, man, we are really hyped up to be here. Mm-hmm. You know, like that was what they were really excited about was it was like, man, we're at the Alamo Bowl. It's an honor to be nominated. It, yeah. Like they were really excited to be in the game and it turned out to be a really good game. Like, don't get me wrong. But there was a lot of, of the excitement of it's like the experience. This to me, when I've been around these guys, this feels like a team that's like, we're here to win a bleeping football game. You know, and they can have their fun, but they are very in tune with being able to go from having fun to snap your fingers and it's time to go and get to work. Yeah. And it's back into work mode. And I think the best example of that is yesterday we were at uh, the Andretti place where they're doing go-karting. They're hanging out with the kids and all this stuff. 
And um, someone asked the Charlie Kohler and uh, Tariq Nelton about being underdogs against Notre Dame. And they like two seconds earlier, they'd been talking about what it meant to be able to give back to these kids and go go karting with them. Both of their faces just went deadpan. And, Ty- and Tariq was like, uh, "I'd rather be the underdog." And that was it. And he just like stared at him. And it was like, <laughs> "Oh wow, this is that's abrupt." Right. So it was like, "Oh okay." So these guys are like, they're. But that's what I'm saying. I think that they are very in tune with like being go able to go from fun mode mm-hmm. to serious mode, where you know Sheldon Crony is clowning on Brees Hall because he says he can beat him in Madden, to where then they get on the bus and it's like, all right, now it's time to go to practice, and we're t- it's time, time to, to go to work. Yeah, you know, and that's that's something that I've seen that's a little bit different than even these past two experiences. Two years ago, even like I can't blame them; they hadn't been to a bowl game before. None of those guys had, so. You know, it's like everybody's going to be excited. We're going to our first bowl game. And, and then you stuff. get to the Alamo Bowl, yeah. which is a pretty prestigious bowl. Yeah, and you're a younger team. You're a yeah. younger team then. You didn't have quite the same level of, like, veteran leadership that you did when you had Joel and Allen. Like, Joel and Allen, like, had that – they could get that team still mm-hmm. ready to go. And then last year you didn't quite have that same forceful leadership. And I think this year they're getting a little bit closer to having that again. And it's like they are – like I said, they're very in tune with it. It's like it's time to go to work. We're not jacking around anymore. Like, let's win this football game. Well, it's not to say that uh, Notre Dame isn't going to be ready to play. Right. Because I, so, I do think they will be. I think Brian, Coley, Brian Kelly is, it, and this is not effusive language, because I don't think we do effusive on this podcast. I think he's a really good coach. I think I, so, too. I think generally... It, I, mean, I mean, if you take your team to the national championship game in the college football playoff, like, which he's done. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to sit here and say you're not a good coach. And when you, like, as as a coach... You're able to tap, tap and pull the strings of what works. So maybe they don't feel, you know, maybe they do feel like they should be in the Sugar Bowl or whatever in New Year's Six, and they get Iowa State camping rolled. Well, if they if that happens, okay. Well, what string instead of the disrespect card, or what string instead of the uh, go out and win a championship card? Like, what thing is going to work? And he's done it for so long at a, such a high level of coaching and being successful that I feel like he's going to be able to pull the string to say, all right. This is the thing to get them ready to go. So it's still going to be, they're going to be ready to go. And I think they are a, they're a team that does things that Iowa State has not dealt with well throughout the season. But I also think that Iowa State, if healthy as I think they are now, mm-hmm. does a lot of things that Notre Dame doesn't deal with well. So I'm a, I think from a, a pure X's and O's matchup, this is really intriguing because I think it boils down to a couple things. Uh, that if Iowa State can do them or not do them, it's going to lead to a pretty good amount of success. And if they do miss on these and Notre Dame's allowed to execute, then it's going to be a really uphill battle. So it's uh, I'm excited about the actual, the actual X's and O's of this whole thing. Yeah, we're not going to take a break. Just We'll just roll right through. Cool. Uh, but I think that the thing... The thing for me that is so interesting about Notre Dame is that they're not like overly prolific in anything in, in rushing or passing, but they like I think they're in the forty-eight to like forty-six to forty-eight range in both of them, mm-hmm. and then they're like forty-eight to forty-six in total offense, but they're still thirteenth nationally in scoring. The balance that they play with, it's they're like solid at both things not great at either one but solid at both things makes them efficient and then that makes it to where they are capable of scoring points at a high level and the other thing so this is the two things that in my mind 
are the most, and I, I forget the numbers on the second one. Um, Notre Dame, in their wins, in their 10 wins, have averaged 208 yards rushing in, the, in each game. In their two losses, they averaged 46. And that discrepancy is huge. And so one of the things that Iowa State has struggled with in the past two weeks against the Kansas schools, and this is, again, with, I think we, we talked about it in a pretty good amount of detail after the Kansas State game, that Eisworth not being healthy is a huge deal. Mm-hmm. He's, you mentioned he was playing, he was practicing without a sling, so one would assume that he is at least at a greater degree of health than he has been at any point in the back half of the season, being able to back, him out, back himself out of practice. So Iowa State not being able to stop the run against Kansas State, but then against a school like Iowa, where Iowa needs to run the ball to make it work, they held Iowa to under 100 yards rushing, if I remember correctly. It was like either like a 94 or something like that, 70. something On a lot of attempts. On a lot of attempts, somewhere in there. So they, they're they able to do it, but they need to be able to do it. If, if Notre Dame is able to run the ball, that is that quintessential, the run sets up everything else. Is If they can run the ball, that's when Ian Book's at his best. Is because the dude can run. Like Ian Book can run. I think he's he has like 600 rushing yards in the season, uh, 550 something like that. And this dude can run. So they're gonna boot him out. They're gonna move him around. They're gonna make him a mobile quarterback, and they're going to allow him to run the ball. But if you force him to throw, if you force him to be a true pocket passer, and so the other the other half of this. So there's obviously there's two ways to gain yards on offense, rushing and passing. So in that win loss, it's the 160 yard discrepancy between their wins and losses. In their wins and losses in passing yardage, it's like 260 in wins and like 247 in losses. There's not a ton of difference in their losses or in their passing yardage. It's a huge difference in their running game. So if you can f- stop the running, stop their running game, and whether it's quarterback runs or run, like running back runs or any gimmick stuff that you have, if you can slow down the running game, that offense doesn't work like it needs to. And again, Ian Book's really good, but he's it's everything they do is based off of the running game. And there's also you know I saw somebody was on Twitter and I I wish I remembered who it was, but they were they had gone down they had gone back and looked through it wasn't an Iowa State person, but they had gone back and looked through quarterbacks the first time they went against Iowa State's three cloud and the statistics were horrible I mean it was like quarterbacks are horrible when they face that thing for the first time once you get to play it a second time like then you kind of know what you're looking at a little bit more Mm -hmm. but it's like so foreign to most people that and it's so hard to practice it you know where like a team like Notre Dame this is something Brian Kelly talked about he's like man it's hard to even run a scout team defense of it because you it's like hard to even understand what everybody's responsibilities are and then teach this to them these kids in a couple days yeah. and get them to where they can accurately represent it. So like that's something that I do think will be interesting too is it's like this will be Ian Book's first real time going against that system because I and because I think that like if Brian Kelly thought it looked like Clemson he would say it looked like Clemson, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's another thing that that will be interesting to me, but I also think this is an opportunity for John Haycock, where he's got guys healthy early on in the season, but when they were healthy, the problem that they had was that their cornerbacks were really young, and they were still really green on the edges. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is the game where we see the professor get back a little bit to reaching into his bag of tricks and sending some of those blitzes with Greg Eisworth and Braxton Lewis and Mike Rose. And And what they could do at the end of of last season when they had 
PV and Payne as your two corners, when you have a lot better man coverage, you can gamble a little bit more, and you can bring Willie Harvey and Mike Rose, and mm-hmm. you can you can add stuff to the to the to the sauce. And that's absolutely one of the things that can happen. And I think one of the cool things about Iowa State, both offense and defense, is they are amorphous enough that you can do anything in these four weeks. If you think you have an advantage on something. You can do anything because Iowa State has against, I, I forget who it was against, but there was one or two, was, I think it was Oklahoma, where they came out in the second half of Oklahoma and they went like seven straight run plays out of three tights and just were like, screw you, we are going to run the ball down your throat. And they did. And then there's other times when they've just straight up let Brock dissect the defense and they've been all pass. Right. And they've been, they've, they've done both extremes. Now, you don't want to exist only in both extremes, but if you can run the ball all the time, awesome, run the ball all the time. But you want to be balanced, and you want to mix that in there, so you can change that kind of gradient. If one end of the spectrum is 100% run and one end of the spectrum is 100% pass, you can you can flex in there. And for Notre, if you're Notre Dame, what do you prepare for? Like, And that was one of the things that he talked about, both the offensive and defensive, and again, using the tight ends as a reference, like how the formations that they allow you to create, those, that three tights to one side again they can't do that with Dylan Sainter being hurt but their uh the ability that they Iowa State has to flex around on on offense is really hard to prepare for over the course of a month where you kind of have a good idea what Notre Dame's going to do they're really good at doing it and you've probably not seen a team like this that you've played against and this is probably the best defensive line Iowa State's going to play all season but they kind of you know what you're going to get schematically and then on the other side, you mentioned in the press conference, was Brian Kelly literally just was like, I don't even know what it is. And he kind of, you know, throwing his hands up, it might be a little, you know, all shucks, I don't know. But I think it also is a genuine, where, are they aggressive? Are they a very, are they a downhill defense? Do they play a lot of man? Do they drop in a zone? Like, what do they, what do they do? What is a thing? And they've done so many different extremes on defense. They've played that true three cloud, rush three, drop eight. They've been super aggressive against like TCU when they had a freshman quarterback. They did some insane crap. Like they would full line slant two gaps over and then bring a linebacker all the way around and a safety blitz underneath it and like all kinds of ridiculous crap against like TCU and is super aggressive. And then they play, I think Baylor was a really passive game and they play Baylor and they blitz like 12 times the entire game. And so they've done both ends of that spectrum. So Iowa state's offense and defense are amorphous enough that it's really hard if you're Brian Kelly and a 27 year old offensive coordinator to try and peg what this defense is going to do. Yeah. And I, I, it's just crazy now how the big 12, because like to us, this, defense is not really anything like new you know yeah like, Oklahoma everybody in Summit, the big 12, Baylor's yeah. straight up stolen like everybody in the big 12 runs some elements of it and it's just crazy now to think that the big 12 is the league that's like kind of revolutionizing this mm-hmm. where everybody looks at what they're doing and they're like man we've never seen anything like this before mm-hmm. and uh I did a radio show in Baltimore where someone asked so why do they why is it they score so many points in the in the big 12 and put up so many yards and all that stuff and I was like uh, I guess if you haven't watched a Big 12 game since 2009, then you might, <laughs> you know. I was like, well, yeah, when Sam Bradford and Blaine Gabbert and Colt McCoy were the quarterbacks, yeah, I can get that. But this is 
It ain't like that anymore, man. Yeah. I, I can tell you right now, like, there's obviously it's a lot like 22 points per game for the last three seasons. Like, yeah. Baylor allows like 20 points a game. It's not, that's not how it goes anymore. And I was like, and if they give up more points than that, then it's against Oklahoma. And mm-hmm. Oklahoma is very good. Yeah. That's, that's why they put up points. Or Chuba Hubbard's running. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's because the players are good. The offenses are good. The coaches on offense are good. And I, now they're seeing these systems multiple times yeah. and they can break them a little bit. I think what's fun specifically about the Big 12, um, is they're so uh, they're so not married to tradition. Yeah, the Big Twelve and its tradition. Like they're not married to that. Like that's I think one of the SEC. I mean, SEC just always gets really good players. But the bottom half of the SEC is really bad. Yeah. Like it's not good. You look at the if you get outside the top six or seven teams in the SEC, you know your your top dogs. It's not good. And it's because we are the Southeastern Conference and we play football the right way with a fullback and we play with three tight ends and we're going to throw it downhill. And then sometimes they'll try and put a, a quarterback in the shotgun, but they don't know how to do it right. And one thing that's kind of fun, and I will say the ACC is similar to the Big 12 in the sense that there's not a ton of marriage to history. But the programs just aren't that good. They're just not as good. Yeah. yeah. But like, they're, as far as innovation is concerned, it's sort of like... Why are we not doing this? Like, okay, well, our tight ends the bet. Let's say you know theoretically a team like and Charlie Kolar it might be this. Some, but I'm not speaking about Iowa State specifically. Like, well, our tight ends the best player on the field. How can we just get him more open? What do we do to get him more open rather than being like you know Big Ten SEC team is like our tight end will play with his hand on the ground as an attached player and he will run corners and arrow routes and that's it. Where then you get uh, well, well it's, and that's why when. Like, it's so ridiculous now when the LSU and Alabama run, like, real offenses. And, and they start putting up ridiculous points. And you sit there and they're like, oh, these offenses. They're amazing. They're ama- Look at what they're doing, these SEC defenses. And it's like, well, no, maybe the SEC defenses that you were sitting around touting because they allowed eight points per game or whatever in 2010. It's because they weren't Maybe the, the offenses they were playing were from, like, 1953. It's because they weren't really that good of offense. Yeah, yeah. Now, again... LSU had OBJ and Jarvis Landry and uh, Leonard Fournette on the same offense and couldn't score the point and couldn't score. Like that's problematic. It doesn't matter what quarterback you have at that point. Yeah. If you have a guy that can make quasi good decisions and spread it out and make it work. And that's what I think what's kind of cool about Iowa State being a microcosm of the Big Twelve in general, being like, we're gonna do stuff that works. And I also think this is I don't I don't know if I've talked about this in the podcast before, but I think it's hilarious that the NFL is doing the same thing that the Big 12 has been pushing and the ACC. The Big 12 has been pushing this for 20 years now. Yeah. That like, all right, if you spread it out and find openings, then get your best matchup inside those openings. All you have to do is have a quarterback that makes good decisions and then anything beyond that, if a quarterback makes good decisions, he's a good quarterback. And then anything pushing past that and he becomes really physically talented, that's when offense becomes exemplary. But just get open space, find angles, find numbers. That's it. That's all you're going to try and do. And like, or be ridiculously athletic. Or be, well, even still. But like, yeah. Pat Mahomes, he's ridiculously athletic. I was thinking more about Lamar. Well, Pat Mahomes and Lamar. And Lamar's a superhero. Pat Mahomes, Lamar, and uh, Deshaun Watson, are, and Russell Wilson are kind of the four... Uh, of the new school quarterbacks. Right. Which Russell Wilson is technically an ACC quarterback and then went to play in the Big right. Ten. And so Deshaun Watson was in the ACC. Uh, Pat Mahomes was in Big 12. Big 12. Lamar Jackson was in ACC. W- ACC. 
it's these these pushing the pace, pushing the the schematics yeah. of how do you just get open space and do it? And so everyone's like, oh my god, these are, these offenses are so incredible. Lamar Jackson and Pat Mahomes and oh, they're so wide open and spread. And then like three years ago, they were like. That college offense is never going to work here. The, the read option? What is a read option? The NFL defenses know how to do it? It's like, no, because you're trying to have Tom Brady run a read option. He runs 5-7-40. There's no way that anyone's going to bite that he's actually going to run it. Alex Smith is running the read <laughs> yeah, Alex option. Smith. He's a, he's a fine athlete. Don't get me wrong. He is a fine athlete. But he ain't Deshaun Watson. He ain't Lamar Jackson. He ain't Lamar Jackson. And when Imagine you, if Mike Vick could have played an offense like this. Dude, if, if Mike Vick could have had like Andy Reid as yeah. his offensive coordinator for well, a longer... Did. Yeah. For a longer period of time when, when he, he was wasn't his, older, yeah. when he was in his prime, yeah, like what he could have done with that, or like Kyle Shanahan or something like that. That just an offense that I mean, Harbaugh, yeah, or just an offense that's going to morph to the players. Yeah, that'd be that to me is insane. We we've diatribed a little bit. No, I mean I, this is a good conversation though. This is football at least. It's football and random things at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, so we'll wrap this up here. What? Uh, give me your final thoughts. What's what's going to be your prediction? We're not doing a radio show tomorrow, obviously, so we might as well just get it out of the way now. Well, the prediction for me is really hard. I think predicting and betting on bowl games, obviously not betting, but like predicting and and if you're trying to do something with with bowl game betting, it's just really hard because of the motivation factor. You know, Mm -hmm. like you could speculate, uh, this is what I think it's going to be and this is what I think it's going to be, but like when you actually, you know, you get out there and you can actually see who wants to be there and who doesn't want to be there. And sometimes, maybe Notre Dame just is like fired up because they want to prove people wrong and they got this lead into the college football playoff and they, you know, whatever. So it's really hard to peg. But I do think the amorphousness and the blobbiness of Iowa State's offense and defense where it's not, there's nothing you can do to peg like this is the one thing that we're going to see. I think Iowa State comes out and gets a bit of an early push and then Notre Dame kind of can, can use that as like the, you know, the first round of the fight to kind of feel everything out. So I think Iowa State gets out and has success. I don't know what kind of success that is, whether that's, um, you know, getting three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, and then like two field goals or something, or if it's a lot of points. I don't know. But I think Iowa State has early success. I think Notre Dame, after the first quarter, quarter and a half, kind of feels like, okay, this is what they want to do. Uh, and then by the end of the game, they've both kind of found their stride. And at that point, it's just who's going to execute better. And so to me, it's a relatively evenly matched game. I think both coaching staffs are really good. Um, but I think because it is a new offense, offensive coordinator with um, with Notre Dame. Yeah. And I mean, Brian Kelly will probably be calling a lot of the plays. Um, but I, John Haycock in that situation with the defense that he has against a relatively inexperienced offense coordinator, even if Brian Kelly has to step back in to do it, um, I think that's the ultimate advantage. So I think Iowa State pulls this one out. But really, I just expect it to genuinely genuinely be close. And again, we're not lip service anything. I think this will be a close game that Iowa State pushes out early, Notre Dame catches back up, and then at the end of the game, see what happens. So give me Iowa State in like the low 30s to like Notre Dame in like 26 or something like, like 31 to 26. Like some close game in the upper 20s, low 30s. Yeah, I think this legitimately could end up being one of the best games of the bowl season. Yeah. Followed right by LSU Oklahoma, which I believe will be a bloodbath. Yeah. Yeah. I have to agree with that. Unless uh, LSU's vaunted SEC defense goes up against a modern offense and allows points. That's true. Uh, Jalen Hurts is good. Jalen Hurts, 
He is. The quarterback. The, the other quarterback good. is also good. Yeah. It's uh, we were we were joking last night in again at that at that sports bar. If you're LSU, you just triple cover CD Lamb. Yeah. Like just play a guy and press man, and then another safety that's like nine yards off, and the the press man guy takes underneath the the over the the corner of the safety over the top plays over top of it, and just like literally anybody other than number two. I don't care. Anybody other than number two is gonna beat us, and then. Charleston Beauregard Rambo. <laughs> That's not his real middle name, by the way. <laughs> Charleston Beauregard Rambo, second lieutenant in the Confederacy. Uh, he's, but you guys like Charleston Rambo, and you guys have like Sermon in the backfield, and you have yeah. Jalen Hurts being able to run around. I think they will score points, but like LSU is going to put up seventy. Yeah, especially when Oklahoma has, I think, their two top defensive linemen not playing because they get suspended. Not good. No, not, not good. good. Uh, that last game, I think, will be the best bowl game of the season. Though. LSU and Ohio State? Yeah. No, uh, Clemson. Clemson, Ohio State. Excuse Clemson, me. Clemson, Ohio State. I think that'll be fun. Yeah. I that'll be a phenomenal fun. Don't ever game. count, like, to me, like, Clemson, I feel like they've been, even though we've known the top three teams are the top three teams, Clemson, Ohio State, and LSU, we've known that they've been the top three teams for a really long time. It almost feels like Clemson's been disrespected throughout this entire process. Because, like, oh, is LSU or Ohio State the number one team? And the defending national champions are sitting in the corner. Whoops. Bump the microphone. As we almost knocked the microphone over. The defending national champions are sitting in the corner being like, uh, guys, did you see what we did to Alabama last year? Did you see what we did to Notre Dame last year? Did you see what what happened? All right, you guys want to hang out? or We'll hang out. We'll do stuff. But you just wait until we actually get a, a, a primetime matchup, and then you get Brent Venables to actually do stuff against that Ohio State defense. I'm going to take Clemson in that one just because – Dabo and Venables, to me, are the best coaching staff in the country. To me. Yeah. All right, man. We, uh, I'm glad that we don't do podcasts in here every day. Or every week. This is a irony. very distracting podcast environment. We should have closed the blinds. On the ironing board? Well, yeah, that too. But, like, all the cars going by here on the interstate. Epcot, way off in the distance. Like, all I can think about is how I would like to, like be at the world of drinking or whatever it is drinking around the world or something like that at Epcot and then I after that I start to think about the Magic Kingdom and I just I need to not do that anymore we can't do this ever again I'm distracted distracted yeah we can't do a podcast that's why I get into the we have to do this twice because I got went too deep into the random things you know we're not going to do a podcast from a hotel room in Orlando Florida for the foreseeable future huh maybe next year hopefully there's there's uh more better things for Iowa State next year. Maybe next year on Bourbon Street. Maybe. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to the Iowa Clinic. Thanks to Royal Flooring for being the presenting sponsors of our bull coverage here at Cyclone Fanatic. We'll have a bunch of stuff on the site. Our predictions. I got a piece that I got to edit from Jay Jordan. I'm going to post a transcript from the press conference. Talk to you guys again soon. Talk to you guys tomorrow with Chris, probably our football postmortem podcast uh, sometime in the evening. Thanks for listening. Peace.